Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a more than just podcast production. Logos Podcast, Season 6, Episode 4. My name is Symmetra. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm speaking to Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. <laughs> Hello there, kids. Good to see you all live and in the flesh. That's what we call a brain fart. Someone <laughs> live on TV or on YouTube, if you want to call it that. Alrighty, so fact check from last week. Uh, even more groups of uh, simian-type animals, but chimpanzees are also called a troop or also a community, whereas... Um, when I looked up gorillas, gorillas came up as troop, but also as band. So you can have a band of gorillas, or you could have gorillas the band, which isn't really a band. It's a couple of guys, right? I thought a band was a band of brothers. I got that mixed up. That's what if they have guns and it's World oh. War, World War okay. II, one or something. Oh. I don't know. I don't, I've never seen Band of Brothers, actually. Yeah, two. Huh? World War Two. Okay. Thanks. I thought you were going to say Band of Brothers 2, like the sequel. <laughs> what? Yes, Band of Brothers 2. We're back. Yeah. More bandy. Um, and last week I was talking about the C3P model droids, but they're actually called 3PO series of droids, and they're protocol droids, of which CPO, C3PO is one so, of. That would mean that, you know, if you're using the letter C to designate that he's perhaps the third model of protocol droid, then they only could possibly have 36 because, you know, A to Z and then 0 to 9. I guess they double yeah. the letters after a while. I don't know. Doesn't make any sense. And actually, one of our one of our fans uh, had a had a bit of a rant today on Slack about the Clone War uh, name. So we'll have to we'll have to come back to those. Come back to that yep. one for sure. The C three PO stuff, though, I gotta I gotta chime in on this one. So if this is an official designation, you'd think this would be given out by the factory, right? Like the factory makes yeah. them, the factory gives them these designations. But didn't Aunt little Anakin make C three PO? So how does he get to insert his random designation into this? All right. All right, well, let's move on to our headlines. And uh, first up is Jonathan, because he's the only other person here today. First up, first up <laughs> and last up. Here we go. Uh, okay, we'll start with some Star Wars news this week. Uh, we are obviously in a, uh, a lovely spot right now where we've got Star Wars The Bad Batch going, and we've got Star Wars The Mandalorian going. But we got a little bit of... I can't tell if this is bad news or good news. I'll leave that to Tim in a minute, but... There was news this week on Variety.com that a couple of Star Wars projects that had previously been announced are officially toast. So the project that had been announced with Patty Jenkins directing the Rogue uh, Rogue uh, Squadron series has been scrapped. They're not going to do that movie. And there was talk that maybe that was going to be like a trilogy or something. Not, not happening. It has been canceled officially. They have also canceled the project they had announced previously involving Marvel uh, executive producer and chief Kevin Feige, who was going to be doing a Star Wars project. That one is now canceled as well. So two movies that were announced previously are now off the schedule. 
The thing that they did say that they are continuing forward with is a film by Taika Watiti, which they had announced previously. He is still doing that. So that movie's still coming. And Ryan Johnson said that he is still committed to doing his trilogy that he had previously been announced. And that was like 2017. That was ages ago. He said he was going to do a trilogy that was unrelated to all of the Star Wars Skywalker saga stuff. And he said he's going to continue producing that and working on that, even though he's been busily working away on other projects like uh, Knives Out and Poker Face, the new TV show as well. So two things still going, two things canceled, but we, we've we got uh, a little bit of clarity on where we're going on the movie side of Star Wars for the time being. Interesting. Yeah. Well, but didn't we establish last week that all Star Wars leads to the Emperor Palpatine and the Skywalker saga? Is that we... we... That's canon, right? <laughs> well, I said it. It must be true. <laughs> I heard it on the internet. I heard it on a podcast last week. You heard it on a podcast? It must be true. Yeah. true. Um, meanwhile, over at uh, Mio9, uh, Gizmodo, uh, Jermaine Lussier wrote a story this week that says that at Star Wars Celebration Europe, which is coming up in about a month from now on April 7th, that there's a possibility there will be more announcements of new projects coming at that point. So that could be interesting. I think we'll keep the date circled on our uh, news calendars to see if we, we get any announcements there. It sounds like they're kind of bringing, uh, they alluded to it. They said they're bringing live action filmmakers to make announcements joined by special guests. So maybe, maybe we'll get some actual Star Wars new movies as opposed to not just canceled movies. <laughs> yeah. So do they ever like have animated filmmakers come and do announcements? I think they've announced show stuff in the past. I don't know if they announced them at Europe or if that was just the one here in North America, but I do know that they've made those announcements at that kind of event. I'll be curious to see what they do on the movie front. Like there hasn't been a movie since the, uh, oh, what was that waste of time called? Oh, Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> that one was like so bad that star wars basically said uh, that that lucasfilm rather working for disney said no more movies for a while let's figure out what we're doing wrong hmm. so they've done tv shows the tv shows have been ranging from wildly successful like mandalorian to amazing but unheralded like andor we've also got some really good cartoon series in in, in the last few years but the movie front is really quiet and i'm really curious to see what they see as the future of star wars on on the big screen as opposed to the small screen. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's interesting. Like like, like you said, like I think this whole streaming TV serialized longer format stories, um, notwithstanding the Mandalorian episode this week, which we could have done without. We'll get to that later. <laughs> but, um, you know, like they, they tend to, you know, like you said, I think you said before, like you, they, it gives them time to sort of work on character development and story development and arcs, yeah. right? Yep. That can expand multiple, you know, and they kind of did it like it was interesting the way they did Andor with the three three episodes sort of, you know, mini stories that made a yeah. big giant story. That was kind of an interesting way of telling a story. Um, and, and, you know. I think even if you make it a three and a half hour movie or even a four hour movie, it's still hard. Like you know, I'm Justice League, I'm looking at you, but um, it 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 doesn't give them enough space to really work out, you know, and bring you all all that stuff in. Because if you think about it, you're sitting down for like that amount of time and you're trying to absorb this entire epic. Whereas you know the way they do it with the Disney stuff is they release it a couple maybe a couple of episodes and then you have like a week to percolate and think about and ruminate. You know. Yep. 
Yep. And that gives you well, it's a way to stay engaged in the conversation, right? Yeah. The one thing yeah. that's working for Star Wars on TV is a week after week, there's Mandalorian episodes. They do that for eight weeks. And for two months, everybody's talking about Star Wars, which is yeah. what they want. If they do a movie, it's a flash in the pan. It's the Netflix problem, right? Netflix ends up with these, you know, everything drops in one day and we talk about it for you know, a few days afterwards and then it goes away. Mm-hmm. I think... I think it's a real challenge, and I, honestly, I don't envy the the people who are responsible for the Lucasfilm film side to try and make any two hours matter in that way. Yeah. You know, Marvel's kind of got the right idea of how to use the television versus the movies the right way, but that being said, you and I later in this episode will be talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and, you know, there's... It's hard. It's hard to make a story matter in two hours when you when you've spoiled your fans by giving them ten hours. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's a different format, and and you know, as we unravel the pandemic sort of thing, I I don't know that they'll ever recapture people going back to to the theaters. I mean, it's like you know, if you look at all the other sort of um, paradigms that have come along, and we had we had LPs, and everybody would go to the store and look at LPs and look at the album covers, and you know think about them, and then then we moved to CDs, and arguably better from a, from a fidelity, like not so much from a fidelity point of view, but from a reliability point of view. I don't know how many records I had that skipped and really annoyed me because my favorite song would skip or whatever, right? Or there would be dust and that that you know makes a permanent dam- permanently damages it, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so CD was like a cleaner format and all that kind of stuff. And then, then we from CDs we went to MP3s. And then, like you said last week, when they when they had the walk the Walkman in Last of Us, it was like, what is this technology that you talk of? You know, cassette yeah. tapes. What are those? You know, I mean, I didn't say it at the time, but it made perfect sense to me in a, in a world where you have no rechargeable batteries. You know, I'm sure Ellie could find batteries and and run her Walkman probably a lot easier than she could a CD player. Well, I guess you could use a CD player. Same thing. I was going to say, I had a Discman that was perfectly fine. By 2002, it was, it was starting to wane. I think I already had my first iPod at that point. Yeah. Yeah. When did the iPod come out? That was, that was 2090. Oh yeah. 2000s. I think we talked about this on a show. Yeah. So I can understand. 2007 was the iPhone. So that, so the iPod was pretty much the king of the hill for about four years. So yeah, let's, yeah, we can say early 2000s. Yeah. So maybe they didn't get around to the iPhone. If you think that history kind of stops at 2013 or 2003, right? That's when the, the uh, mushroom apocalypse starts. I think, you know, I think you'd take whatever you can get. Maybe the maybe the higher officers have the the discmans and the the the, the kids get the walkmans and you work your way down from there. Somewhere there's still people recycling their vinyl and their uh, eight tracks. Who knows? Yeah. Well, but my point wasn't about the the technology. The point was about the fact that you know going to the theater. I mean, people we ne- we may never recover from that, right? You know, people just may think. You know, like in the same sense that if if there were zombies, think about think about the pandemic as being the zombies and or the infected in in the last of it. There's going to be people who never leave their neighborhood because of that, right? No. Because you know, because it's safe here, and I can if you know people mm-hmm. take care of that for me, and you know, kind of thing. So I don't have to risk my life to go to a theater. Not that you really are risking your life these days, but when I can sit and watch it on Disney Plus, right, mm-hmm. or Apple mm-hmm. TV, right. So and well, and the technology's another, another improved. Thing. There's so much technology out there. It begins with Net something. Um, I can't remember. <laughs> I probably screwed up the pronunciation of it anyway. Netflix. 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 Yeah. Yeah. The 
the thing that's I mean, you and I again, we were just in the movies last week, and it's kind of crazy how much things have changed, you know, like it, you know, it had been a couple of weeks since that movie came out, but it was not a big crowd and it was a big theater. Maybe yeah, for the first Quantumania? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was it was like dead. Like maybe there was a bigger crowd the first few weeks when it opened. Yeah. Although judging by the box office receipts, not a lot bigger. I don't know. Like I say, it's it's really tough when you give people that experience at home. You've got these great pieces of technology now, these really great, you know, HDR televisions and great surround sound and, you know, Dolby Vision and all these great things to make your your experience of home watching better, you know. I can pause it. I can go to the bathroom. I can go to the kitchen, grab a beer, you know, like yep. I don't have to, I don't, I'm not stuck in my seat having yep. made my decision before I got in there, you know? But then people like you and I will lament the communal experience, right? That's yeah. the part that's missing. And and yeah. there's been some moves towards that. I mean, you know, there's features on a lot of the platforms now that you can, you and I could watch something simultaneously on any of those channels right now, which is fun and fine, but it's not the same experience as going and sitting together and making, you know, mystery science theater cracks at all the stupid stuff we see in these movies. It's, yeah, it's just a very different experience. Yeah. I don't know. I was added to a, ironically, I was added to a Star Trek uh, Slack channel at work today. And, but listening, like looking at the conversations, there were some people, some people haven't even started look watching Andor yet. You know, they're still trying to get through, yeah. you know, or they haven't watched, uh, some people haven't watched Picard because they heard season one, season two were so bad. Whereas, you know, like when you, when you, when you, if you're in a theater going mode, you know, there's going to be a large percentage of us that would have gone to the theater every every weekend or whatever, right? So yeah, for sure. I'm just finding it like I mean, the world is the world is coming back to normal. I mean, uh, I've noticed that the streetcars are getting more and more busy. It could be that the line I'm on is not the Queen Street line, and the Queen Street line I think is closed down for two years. That may be why I'm getting more people on my streetcar, the King Street. But yeah, but over the last couple of weeks, I've just noticed more and more it's getting more heavily used. And and but that but that's a different different paradigm because that's going back to work, right? Right? Yeah. You don't have to go back to a theater. Right? No. Yeah. No. And as you say, user habits are easy to change in their way, right? Look at how fast we all picked up and started watching things on streaming versus the way yeah. that we were getting them before. You know, it used to be you'd have to sort of tune in and then it was, oh, you could get them on home video and then you could get them on these different formats. And then TV shows were coming on these box sets. And yeah. now our habits are, you know, are into the streaming world. It's It's easy to change user habits and it's hard to change them back. It's funny, you know, because you say that because, as you know, I still you and I both still have cable, and so I have a PVR and I have a whole bunch of shows that I watch on on I watch I'm doing air quotes mm. on, on my. Did you PVR, collect but, on some sort of digital device? Well, but now, but now, yeah, but now what it is is like you know, like I just binged like the the last season of Sheldon, Young Sheldon, because. Mm. I've just not, I've been too busy watching Apple TV and Disney Plus and that other mm -hmm. net something. I can't remember what it's called. But, um, but you know, the, I've been watching the, and Prime, Amazon Prime, can't leave them out. But, and I, and I'm just like my, my uh, PVR is complaining because it's like 75, 80% full because I haven't been watching the shows. Right. So, yeah. But that said, you know, I, I, a while ago when I got this, I don't know what happened, but I ended up with a new, I ended up leaving, changing my settings. It used to delete every every fourteen days, which forced me to watch. Right, but mm. now I somehow I did something where I just sort of said, "Yeah, like like leave them until I decide I need room or whatever." Yeah, yeah. Right, and so yeah, shows are just piling up. I've got movies piling up over there that I have to go back and watch, and you know, 
Yep. So it's kind of like it's too there's too much choice, right? To to do that. And by the same token, though, yeah, if I could, if I could, I mean, if I could could have watched Ant Man Quantumania at home last week, I would have done that. That's, I I don't I had no I had no compelling reason to go to the theater and watch it other than you know the fact that that's the only way to watch it right now, right? But yeah, and that's um, that's the real angle right now. The only thing that the movie theater can offer you is exclusivity to yeah. a point. Yeah, and then beyond exclusivity a different experience because of its scale and scope and the communal experience. Yeah. It's easy for people, especially after three years of being segregated, it's easy for people to be like, nope, nope. And nope. Like yeah. I've got enough stuff to last me the six weeks or, you know, eight weeks or 10 weeks or whatever it takes yeah. for it to come to an online streaming service. I'm good for the next 10 weeks. Yeah. I'll just not go to certain places on the internet and hope I don't get spoiled. And if I do, eh, meh, you know, when was the last time you were spoiled so badly that you were like, well, I'm not watching that? What do you mean by that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I I can't avoid social media. So I work yeah. in social media. Yeah. I can't avoid social media. And yet, I've still managed to avoid certain spoilers on things that, I'm, that I care about. Yeah. But even when I do encounter one, I'm not like, oh, that's ruined it for me forever. I'm like, eh, yeah. life goes on. You know, that's the price you pay. You have to accept that as the cost of not watching something immediately. And if you accept that, then it's no big deal and you move on with your life. Yeah, true, true. But by the same token, though, I've also heard people that say they don't listen to our show because we talk about this and talk about that or they don't want to get spoiled. They don't want to hear yeah. you know, something or other. Or, or, the, or But then listen after the fact. Like, if you're not ready to watch Picard when it's coming out week to week, cool. I happen to know somebody who lives in this house who is not up to date on Picard, but when they sit down and watch a Picard episode, then they go listen to Spotcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that that works for us. We're fine with that, you know? Well, that's the point. I mean, like, like when I joined this channel today, I felt like saying to these guys, you know, like who hadn't watched season one or of Picard, well, when you're ready... Tune in we, we've got a lovely little discourse back, going. Back, kick the back catalog, back catalog going. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're so. not taking those down anytime soon. Feel free to go backwards, everyone. If you want to start, uh, once yeah. Discovery ends next year, you can listen to the whole catalog along with it. Just we in, we encourage this. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe don't listen to some of our well, early I do, episodes. I do put chapters. So if you want to skip the Discovery stuff, you can just, you know, there you go. Get on, get on to the next thing. Cool. All right. All right. Let's move on. So, next news speaking, item. Speaking of not on Disney Plus. Not on Disney Plus. Well, I think a lot of people have been waiting for a date for Avatar The Way of Water or Avatar 2, if you prefer, to come to Disney Plus because they had been pretty consistently doing about a six, seven week window that, you know, if, you, if you're if you willing to wait a little bit, this, this stuff comes out on those channels. Well, Avatar is proving to sort of break that... Uh, that they've sort of established in the fact that it's not coming to Disney Plus and they're still not coming to Disney Plus. This week they announced that it's coming to major digital platforms for purchase or rent starting March 28th. So that includes Prime Video, Apple TV, Vudu, Movies Anywhere if you're in the States, lots of stuff, but you cannot get it on any streaming service. It's not available for free on Disney Plus or anywhere else yet, nor is it available for physical media yet. Is so, Avatar available? The first Avatar, is it available anywhere on? It's on Disney, Disney Plus. It's on Disney Plus. Oh, Disney Plus. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, they wanted people to... to. I mean, they, they would have preferred if you went to the theater like we chose to and go see it again in, in 3D and spend the money and everything else. But they want people to be able to access that so that they are in hopefully enticed to go see the new movie in the theaters. 
Uh, and clearly that worked because it made two billion bucks. However, this is a long window. I'm really curious now as to how long they're going to hold this out for. It, it, how long they think they can hold this digital oh, not window the, not for? The Forty-five weeks or whatever the Jaime is always going on about, right? It's forty-five days. Forty-five, 45 days, days is 45 what they've days, been doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in this case, we've blown long since blown past that. I mean, it's been out since mid-December. So mm. we're really looking at a long stretch here and. I'll be curious to see how long they think they can hold this window of people who can only you can live at home if you buy it off of like you know Apple TV or something like that. Do they think that lasts for a month? Do they think that lasts for two months? I, I really do. I'm curious when they think that this is going to be the right time for it to land on Disney Plus, but not anytime soon. Hmm. And it's 20th Century Fox or 20th Century Studios. Is that related to Disney somehow? Disney bought them. Oh, okay. That's why. Okay. They were part oh, of the right. Fox acquisition that they made a number uh, of years ago. Right. They bought all the Fox assets, including the rights to Avatar. Yeah, even the Aliens, 20th century, Predator. 20th century used to be 20th Century Fox, right? But yes, yeah, okay. but 20th Century Studios. So they bought the studios and all the all the movie assets and rights, intellectual mm -hmm. properties and everything for for a mere. I think it was seventy billion, sixty five billion. Cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. I got that right here. What's that? We, 65 billion. We we could have bought a studio. I don't know what we're doing here. Oh, with with the behind you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this collection just easily worth that. All right. Next thing, we had been talking about this as a rumor. It has finally come to pass. The rumor had been that we were going to finally get confirmation that John Bernthal was going to return as the Punisher in the mm -hmm. actual MCU as opposed to the adjacent MCU of Netflix. And so we got it this week. Uh, John Berthal himself confirmed that he is returning in Daredevil Born Again, the Disney Plus series that they had previously announced. And uh, good reaction. A lot of people online were like, good, absolutely. The guy nailed the part. He was great at it. It'll be interesting to see if they take a different tack with it, given that that Netflix series was pretty dark. Obviously, I don't think they're going to go as dark with Daredevil, Punisher, any of that world as they did. But it'll be interesting to see how they integrate that into the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe now. Bit of a bummer, though. They did also, they announced the cast list this week, and notably not on it are the actors who play uh, Foggy and Karen. So mm -hmm. that's kind of a drag. It does not look like at this point they're going to be in it. Is that it doesn't Daredevil, mean that they Daredevil could people like yeah yeah right. yeah okay. It huh. doesn't look like they're going to be in this you know twenty two part series that they've announced. But that doesn't mean that they're never going to be. I think that's something people have to bear in mind. Just because they haven't been announced for this particular series, that could just mean that they're not necessarily part of the plans in the short term, or it could mean hey you know. Uh, yeah, we want to streamline things. We don't want to have all these extra characters. We want to do something different. It is a little disappointing. I like those two characters, and I definitely like the performance of those two actors. Uh, Eldon Henson, and oh, I'm trying to remember the woman's name. She's really good. But um, yeah, they were, they were really good. And I'm a little disappointed, but at the same time, you know, we're getting Daredevil in the MCU. We're getting Punisher back in the MCU. We're getting, you know a good look at this stuff that we enjoyed from the Netflix series. So I don't want to, I don't want to complain too much. I'll let the internet do that for me. <laughs> cool. By the way, just a bit of fact check there. The 2001, October 23rd, 2001 is when the iPod came out. Oh, here, I thought you were looking up the actors who played. Uh, no, I could do that too, if you like. <laughs> oh, you do that. Well, last thing I got here this week, which I just thought fun. So uh, Keanu Reeves 
noted uh, badass who has been in all these amazing roles over the years who have, uh, he's, you know, he's been Neo, he's been John Wick, he's, he's the badass. Uh, well, that has inspired researchers in Germany who have uh, recently discovered a uh, these compounds that are fungus-killing compounds, and they have named them after not John Wick, not Neo, but Keanu Reeves himself. Oh, cool. So they have called them Keanu-mycins. And the Keanu-mycins are these things that are, you know, super good at killing fungus. And they thought, well, if this thing is that good at killing, it should be named after Keanu Reeves. Uh, in response, Keanu Reeves took to uh, Reddit during an AMA last weekend and said, that's pretty cool and surreal for me. Thanks, scientist people. Thanks, so, scientist people. Yeah. He's just so Canadian. What do you want to be remembered for? You want to be remembered for the sad canoe meme, or do you want to be remembered for you know? Like <laughs> yes. you know the sad canoe, sad Keanu uh, meme. He um, is that the one we're sitting here eating the sandwich? Yeah, you said it was eating the sandwich. <laughs> yeah, like maybe he just didn't like his sandwich. Leave the guy alone. Maybe he was just thinking. Exactly. <laughs> All right, you've got our actress for us who played Karen Page. I did. Yeah, her Deborah name is Deborah, Deborah Ann Wall. Wall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was great. She was absolutely great. And uh, again, bittersweet, but you had me at Daredevil. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I still haven't watched that other, but I haven't watched the Punisher series. I don't know what network it's on. Um, <laughs> well, it's anyway. on Disney Plus now. It's on Disney Plus. It's not oh, even it's on, on Netflix Disney. anymore. Oh, it's, on it's on Disney, Disney Plus. Plus now. Oh, look at that. There you go. See, <laughs> those, good things come to those who wait, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. So anyway, we're at the main part of the show where we talk about something Star Trek related. And this week, it is the Picard man. Or yes, Star, Star Picard. Trek Picard. And uh, don't don't help me. Um, I think it's episode three or four. No, episode four. And it's called Read No Way Home. my mind. Not No Way Home. Not... Um, Sinking Can down the abyss, uh, down the tube, <laughs> shooting a tube. I'd like to point out for our viewers at this point and listeners for this point, he has it right in front of him. He's just not looking. Uh, I'm not looking. Oh, no win scenario. Exactly. Well, you, you, you why didn't you put my, okay, those are my points. Okay. Because those are your, I didn't want you to put your stuff at the bottom. I thought that would be mean. Okay. Well, I thought you would intersperse it, but you know. I didn't get to that point. I, I was I was in a rush. Star Trek Picard, season three, episode four, no win scenario, no hyphen. Grammar brain is not enjoying that, but I'll be fine. Oh, because no win is a hyphen, they do work? It's an adjective. And yeah, anyways. Okay. So my elevator pitch. If you believe in each other, there's no such thing as a win, a no win scenario. It also helps if everyone around you is super smart. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Elevator pitch. Uh, I, I don't know if I had one. It was sort of, um, yeah, I watched it in two pieces, so it's kind of... Um, Works yeah, better I, as a two-parter? Well, generally, I mean, it's, I think it was what... what um, I kind of I didn't quite get what um, Gates McFadden was trying... character was saying, Deborah, 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 Dr. Beverly Crusher, uh, what she was saying about, you know, we should do what we always do, which is like, which one of the things that you always do are you talking about, right? Like the, you know, we all get together, we all trust and we love and we have group hugs and we get out of these situations, you know, while the other crews are having, the other shifts are off and in their quarters, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that that would be my elevator pitch. We just kind of like, get the old gang together and do what we do and, you know, all have blind faith in, in our fearless leader. Although they couldn't figure out which which of the three fearless leaders they were going to follow this week. Oh, four, actually, if you count seven, right? So Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. interesting show. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Um, some 
it was a little bit stayed. The episode was mostly, you know, they're falling into this gravity well and, you know, trying to figure out, is there a way out or do we just accept our fate? That was really kind of the, the conundrum this week was, do we accept our fate or do we try and find a way out? You know, Riker was sort of the fatalist in this one. He's accepting his fate. And then Crusher was trying to work the problem. Picard started working the problem. Seven's working a different problem. But everybody sort of had their way of dealing with what was happening. And, uh, and some of it worked and some of it didn't. The the pew 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 came later in the episode when they when they finally figured out how to MacGuffin their way out of there by using the insert several long scientific words together here and solve the problem. And then they uh, are are coming out of this nebula where they're stuck and they are encountering the Shrike and they, of course, are like, uh oh, that mean old ship is back what are we going to do conveniently that have, mean old we have ship no weapons exactly yeah yeah conveniently the, the mean old ship had just dropped it's like number one weapon with which it completely owned the titan last week so yeah, yeah. Eh. um if you can explain the logic of that one i'm not sure and then the titan yeah, decides to pick it, up an it, asteroid yeah, I can explain that. Yeah, but it's it's sort of like if you hadn't was this, I guess the first episode or second episode where the Shrek throws a large object at for the first time ever. I don't know why anybody ever thought about you know other than ramming speed. You hear that occasionally, but yeah, you know use use the tractor beam to hurl an object or hurl another mm. ship at at uh, the Titan, right? So yeah. So in turn, they they decide that for, uh, turnabout is fair play, and they whip an asteroid at this thing and disable it, so they can do their getaway. That was a pretty cool cool maneuver. Yeah, uh, you know, and it, it even has the punchline like that first episode. You know, they drew a ship at us. This one is, did you throw an asteroid at them? Yeah, and uh, Riker ex- ex- expands on that with an expletive, which we will not say on this show. Oh, did you? Um, okay. The Easter egg hunts, there was lots of good stuff in here. This whole series has been one giant Easter egg because it's just, it's a nostalgia fest, right? They reference Encounter at Farpoint, of course, the first episode mm-hmm. of Star Trek The Next Generation. You called, they're talking you called about, that a couple of weeks ago, right? Thank you very much. I did call that a couple of weeks ago that that's probably what was going on. And sure enough, it happened that the nebula was a living thing. It was going to birth little uh, space babies. Uh, also, when Picard is encountering, he's flashing back and he's encountering those cadets while he's sitting at the bar and he's trying to enjoy his lunch and the cadets are asking him questions. They ask him a question and he's telling them the story about the, his encounter where he and the alien captain are stranded on the planet together and they have to learn to speak each other's language. So he learns to speak in metaphors, Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. Did you talk about that in the show? He, he referenced it because he said it was only our willingness to to continue to work together that sort of got us out of it, right? And he's, again, it's it's about that willingness to never accept defeat. There are no no-win scenarios, right? Mm. So, yeah. So, a nice little reference to that one, too. The big question I had this week was, I mean, this episode was kind of what you would have expected in this one. Oh, no, we're falling into gravity well. What are we going to do? Well, we're all going to reflect on our lives. We're going to reflect on our decisions. And then we're going to figure out a way out of this thing. And they do. Cool. But the episode ends again with Jack having these weird flashing visions that are calling to him where he hears this voice and he's having these visions in his head. Find me. We'll be together soon. I don't even, I, I, I have nothing on that. I, I'm, I'm usually good at figuring stuff out, uh, as, as we've talked about over the last, you know, five or six years we've been doing this show. I, I got nothing. I got nothing on that one. I'm going to have to think a little harder or dig a little deeper, but I, I don't have anything on that one yet. That, to me, that was a breadcrumb for, for a later episode, because if you think about it, yeah. 
this whole um, nebula, or what do you call this thing? Nebula? Is it a nebula? Yeah, they're in a nebula, or what they yeah, thought so was a nebula. Whole, this whole weird nebula thing, that, you know, with this gravity well and yeah. everything being pulled in towards it kind of thing. And these strange um, biometric waves that keep coming at them, you know, they resolved that this week. I, I was like, yep. once they got out and they ended up hurling the, the big asteroid at the other ship, I thought, okay, now how many more episodes do we have to go for this? You know, because they seem yep. to resolve that whole sort of arc, right? And then, of yep. course, then when he's in the bathroom having his little, you know, episode, that's yep. when I thought, okay, that makes perfect sense. They're setting up something for future, right? Yep. So we've still got those threads to follow. We've got Jack's visions. We've got Worf and Raffi and the... Mm the bigger mystery of what's going on there, the cover-up of stealing something from Daystrom Station, which we have speculated could be lore because we know that Brent Spiner is showing up at some point. Yeah. And we also have the sort of overarching um, changeling thing, right? So mm -hmm. they did catch the changeling on board the ship and they and they killed them. They also We also found in this episode that Vadich is actually also a... Uh, changeling as well, right? She at one point chops off her hand and then it basically reforms as part of the collective, uh, you know, the Great Link and starts speaking at okay, her, right? That was, that was okay, right? Yeah, I assume that, that we're, we're meant to think that this is a way that they have of speaking to one another that we just have heretofore not seen. Also, can I just say for the record, and I know that that technology has come a long way so we can do things better now. Mm -hmm. In the 1990s, when we were watching uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the way that the changelings were shown or the dominion were shown was as this sort of viscous goo now they look like rotten meat it's really know, yeah, really off-putting yeah but it was it was they were like shiny liquidy gold kind of liquid right back in the day now they yeah. look like somebody's beef tartare that they've regurgitated it is very unpleasant to look well, this at is, this is the thing is as as a seasoned star trek watcher you know when she cut off her hand that was the first time we sort of saw the the this thing morphs up into a face and talks to her. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just a weird sort of Emperor Palpatine holograph thing vehicle. Yeah, right? but I mean, yeah. the uh, I didn't make the connection that that at that point that she was a changeling until when um, Seven shoots the changeling, changeling in the in the corridor and it sort yeah. of turns into that bigger version of that disgusting, yeah. you know, inside. It, it looked yeah. like something. It looked like a transporter accident. Is what that looked like. Oh, it was, you know, yeah, when, absolutely. They, when the people came inside out, you know, kind of, that's what yeah. it looked like, right? So, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it, again, I get that obviously technology's caught up and you can do things, you don't have to do them as rudimentarily as they did 20 years ago, but what it's kind of gross. What was wrong? It was kind of gross. It was a little but, gross. No, I'm just saying, like the old gold, liquidy, mercury, um, whatever that was, was fine. I mean, I could have, I, I think that's a VF, VFX department showing off, is what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody had to justify their, their, uh, their budget, I guess. Yeah. Um, I had some good quotes and then there was also some good, good scenes. Uh, so have we done the Easter eggs yet though? Uh, yeah, we did the far point and the Darmak and Jalad. Did you have something else you want I to throw in there? The tunic tug, the tunic tug. Good one. Good one. Yeah, when, when he sits down in the, in the con, he does the quick, quick, very quick tunic tug. Uh, yep. the plumber chair spin. Yeah. Saw that. Because she's been, I wonder if they said, you know, you, your dad spun his chair when he played uh, General Kang. Maybe you should do that too. And, and she does yeah. the, the spin. And so the, the, the thing that they should, they eject, I froze for a freeze frame it on it and I sent it to you on, on uh, I saw that. Yeah. Earlier, it actually said Daystrom Institute on it. I think that was the portal weapon. 
right? It is, but then there's still that lingering wharf and Rafi, they think that there was also another theft thing going on too, right? Right. Well, so what I think was happening was that the, because uh, she, she, he's, she's ordered to go in mm-hmm. and she's ordered to basically commit suicide. They don't care. They, you got to yep. get this done or we're going to suicide you anyway. Right. Yep. Uh, I think that, that would be the only motivation for ejecting that weapon. Cause maybe the weapon is too valuable to destroy. Right. I got the impression that it wasn't that I got the impression it was they would have been too bulky or heavy to be able to get back out if they still had that thing glued to the front of their ship. Was it glued to the front of the ship? Yeah, because they basically they like they they spit it out. I, they, I think it was, it was basically showing the Daystrom instrument Easter egg, like I. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe again, good detail by the VFX team. Yeah, and those are those are my Easter eggs too. Yeah, yeah, the um, the quotes. There were some really really nice ones in this one. So the the one quote was. Um, I was it's from Riker. Riker, Jonathan Frakes had a really nice speech. That first part where he goes in to apologize to Picard for for banishing him from the bit of the bridge. Yeah. We knew that had to happen early because he kind Did he of apologize. Though he, I don't know if that was an apology. Apology. He was just giving him the news or an update, really. Well, he was, but he was also he, like he did say I'm sorry, but he he basically says like you know I'm not wrong. You you did actually screw us, but he did also say you're you were right about me. He said you were right. I was. I am. Fr- I'm afraid to die now because I'm not convinced that that death isn't the end. Oh, there is I don't, after I'm, that. I see. Yeah, because he does that whole speech about his son and I'm watching his son be lowered to the ground again. Jonathan Frakes, nice, nice speech that he had there. That little monologue. Mm-hmm. And so, in, as part of that, he says, uh, "I was running from this only to find it again. This is the end, my friend." I thought that was really a nice sort of summary of that. You know how lost he is in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um. Picard, when talking to Jack, when the two of them go to the the holodeck bar, and he says, well, let's talk about the elephant in the room. What's up with the hair? Yeah, yeah. He says, you're what, 23, 24? Enjoy it while it lasts. Enjoy it while you can, is what he says. I I thought that was hilarious to... You know, um, I, I thought just just for the for the record, I thought that I had heard that it's your um, mother's father that passes a gene to you to lose your hair, right? Yes, I believe so, that is accepted to be the case. Yeah. So um, because because I, I know people who whose parents whose fathers were bald but didn't lose their hair, yeah, like you and me, but you know. <laughs> well, to be fair, you made it a lot further than I did, but even yeah. mine, like my, I, I my, trim my mine. dad never, my dad never lost his hair, and he was yeah. he was a few years older than me when he died, right? And he still had yeah. a head of hair, right? Yep. But I got I I keep my hair very trim, very short, just because I I don't really think it's worthwhile doing anything else about it. But yeah. uh, my grandfather on my mom's side had you know pretty thin, but still had some some hair. If I grew it out and combed it over like he did, it would probably look very similar. Yeah. At this point, uh, however, my whole father's family line is bald as eagles, so there's mm-hmm. nothing to be done about that because both sides would have been bald and bald and bald and bald and bald. bald. So right. uh, I have said that to my uh, son more than a few times when he's like, oh, my hair is so thick and luxurious. I'll say, you you can absolutely thank uh, your mom's family for that because it's clearly not coming from your dad's side. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought... I <laughs> enjoy it while you can. 
I thought that the speech that uh, that Shaw gives when he goes into the bar and he's clearly a little knocked up on the painkillers, yeah. but he gives that whole speech about the first time that he met Picard. Right. And he does the whole piece about how he was at Wolf 359. Yeah. He was on on the ship and he talks about the USS Constance and how he basically got randomly picked as one of the 10 survivors of that ship. And, you know, 11,000 Starfleet officers died in those battles. And it's it's pretty crushing. Great speech by by him. And and he sort of summarizes it with, you know, Locutus of Borg, the only Borg so deadly they gave him a goddamn name. Yeah, that's that was pretty devastating. Like that is that's pretty harsh and pretty bang on. Like that was a really good line. Well, you know, because of the Easter egg last week about the 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 connection with the opera. I went back and watched um, First Contact uh, mm-hmm. this weekend, right? And um, um, why am I telling you this? <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's, Borg? Well, that's the whole episode with the board. Oh, yes. No, the Queen. Because he, mm. you know, there's a, there's a scene where, where Picard and the Queen are, are in, I don't know, the warp room or wherever they are, right? Yeah, engineering, yeah. Engineering. And because and, uh, he sort of says, I know you. And, and she says, well, I am the collective. And he goes, but because, I mean, the question is, like, why did the queen manifest as, yeah. like, why did they have to have that character in the story other than to be the, the nemesis to both Picard and Data? But mm-hmm. um, but the, you know, the, the, just the sort of that she has sort of a unique identity, even though she says she's the collective, he says, I know you. And of yeah. course, he's Locutus, and and, I, and it is an interesting, an interesting question. Why, you know, I guess like, uh, I mean, you can theorize anything you want, but I mean, like, why would the Borg allow Picard or Locutus to have an identity in that sense? Yeah, other than I mean, be like an emperor or something. Well, you could make the case that even the Borg, as a collective, would know that putting him as the front person for that attack is a an amazing piece of psychological warfare, right? Like it puts your, it puts your adversaries on their heels immediately. All the the strategies, right? Well, he does, but they would just automatically assimilate that. So they wouldn't even need to put him out front. They would just be able to adapt, but to put him as the face of it, I think tactically, and if they're a collective and they understand and reason, they would know that if they put Picard as the front person there and we name him Locutus and we show, hey, this is your like most famous warrior and we've basically made him into our slave and he's now leading the battle, it throws everybody onto their heels. So it's it's right. good tactics, right? right? I, I think the real reason why the board did that is is because they realize this is a TV show that we're watching and they want to do it for the fan service. Probably. Probably that. I think the board, the board are pretty good. You know? <laughs> and also they wanted to put poor Patrick Stewart through hours and hours and hours of makeup to have to I wear noticed, that. I noticed that like, it's interesting because in the, in the, the uh, image that he has of, uh, is like a drill bit coming towards his eyeball. Right. Mm-hmm. But when he was Locutus, they'd never replaced his eye. No, there is one of the poor, you know, ensigns or whatever gets his eyeball replaced in the movie. But, yeah, a few of them get those like eyepiece. Or they have, yeah. the, or data gets drilled on the side of his head for I don't know why they didn't put it. Did they? Put well, because they're replacing the skin. Remember, they they were going to give him real skin. Like he's oh, a real boy. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, I yeah. like the turn about that. He that he re- he still remembers his mission, even though he's they try to assimilate him. Um, but I guess they can't really. They. I mean, I don't know why they couldn't just reload a new program or something. I don't know. Makes no sense. My, not, my quote, that, you don't, that would you be don't terrible have, storytelling. Yeah, you don't have my quote in here, which is to seek out new life. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's when we see the space babies, right? Yes, exactly. She just says yeah. it in the same way that William Shatner does. Yep. yep. As the point of this whole show, like from the 60s, seek out new life. 
Mm-hmm. And then Picard or Riker says, let's boldly get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, it was a good episode. I mean, you know, this one probably the least best, I would say, of the four so far, just because it kind of had to be. It slowed things down. It was really about them connecting with each other. It was about Picard and Jack connecting. It was about, you know, Riker's relationship with his with Troy. It was there was a lot of stuff that they had to unpack in here. Yeah. And it didn't mean it was a bad episode. It just probably was the, the least interesting of the one so far. And the interesting thing is they didn't jump away to the Worf and Rafi storyline like they did last week, which no. I found, you know, personally, I found that very, you know, disruptive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I get that they have to do that. I'm hoping now that we have gotten, you know, we've gotten the group that, together, right? So we've got uh, Picard and Riker. We've got Seven. We've got Jack and and, uh, and Beverly Crusher all together. We're, yeah. We know that warps with Raffi. We're still missing the Brent Spiner character, whomever that is. We're still missing Jordy LaForge. We know we're going to see him at some point. And we're still missing Troy, although we've seen Troy multiple times over the season so far in like video screens, but hopefully in physical Zoom, form. Zoom calls, stuff. basically. Zoom calls, yeah. Yeah. I still think there's lots of stuff that, you know, again, they're throwing a lot of nostalgia at you. We're still circling back to the first episode. The one thing that we had talked about in there was that, you know, the statue that was out in front, the red woman, right, that that was the captain of the Enterprise C, the one from yesterday's Enterprise. Was that an Easter egg just to tie into the yesterday's Enterprise or was that a bigger picture thing? So, yeah, there's still a lot of threads to pull together. I hope they can stick the landing because so far I think this has been by far the strongest of the Picard seasons. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like if this is the swan song for this whole group of, of performers who we've enjoyed all this time, you know, I hope they can really nail this last bit because the first four parts have been lots of fun mm-hmm. for sure even my wife sat down and went it's Riker," which never happens <laughs> never happens wow okay yeah hmm. yeah yeah they are apparently, I mean, I apparently say her too. big sister used to hold her hostage to make her watch star trek so really oh wow hold, yeah hold her threatened threatened to put the phaser on on kill um <laughs> that's right <clears throat> yeah i mean to me i mean the, the odd thing about it is for me though is is uh, both of them are looking pretty old, <laughs> you know, like, you know, when you think about like, yeah. I like if it was a science vessel and they were out doing science, I could see them being making sense that they would still be involved. Right. But for a lot of a lot of cases in the Star Trek storylines, it's it's militaristic, you know, and I don't know that they're necessarily, you know, the the people that would be in the front lines. It's interesting just by the same sort of analogy. I noticed more and more as I watch professional hockey, that those are children on the ice. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like they no longer... You and I aren't as young as we used to be, sir. Well, and I don't know (laughs) if it was because back in the day, you know, people would stay in the game longer. But back in the day, it was men playing hockey in my mind. Like, that's how they I perceived them, you know, cigarettes hanging out of their mouths and all that kind of stuff. No helmets, you know, you know, putting on the tape and that kind of stuff. But the... um, but now I look at them and they're all, they're all, you know, pretty young, like Xavier and Foster. They're young guys running around on, yeah. on, on the ice. Right. And, um, yeah. that to, like, that makes more sense to me. Like, you know, the, the people that go to war people, you know, it's generally like, yeah, you get the Tom Hanks kind of characters like in, in Saving Private Ryan, who are like the sergeants or whatever, who, who sort of mm. rally the man as it were. But, you know, if you look at any of the, the, the movies about, you know, um, like the Oliver Stone stuff, the, the Vietnam stuff, the, the guys that were the sergeants and the the, rallying the troops were just like older young people. Yeah. (laughs) You know, 
they weren't yeah. like in their 40s or 50s or 60s or 80s, you know. But it depends too. I mean, I, I guess the part with Star Trek you have to sort of carry with you is age is differently perceived in the hundreds of years. If you, if you, you know, if you had gone back and shown them 82 year old Patrick Stewart a hundred years ago as the, as the, you know, admiral of a, a leading a ship and a mission, they they'd have been like impossible. They didn't have impossible back then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, you know, 300 years from now, if you say that this is the status quo that, you know, somebody works into their eighties, well, sure. That seems to be perfectly reasonable if the lifespan of human beings is extended. Right. Mm-hmm. So maybe mm-hmm. that's the math that we don't. My point is, would you put them on the front line though? Who knows? Again, it's hard to say. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's quite possible that you don't even go to Starfleet Academy until you're in your twenties or thirties, or who knows? Like maybe you maybe you don't do things at the same pace that we do them now, right? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Let's All right. On. Should we move on to Mandalorian? Mandalorian. Yes. Um, yeah. My my elevator pitch was I don't understand why that show was even put on, but there you go. That's what I said about last week. I, I yeah. said last week was just, a, it was basically, in case you didn't watch Book of Boba Fett, here's what yeah. happened to Book of Boba Fett. That's what last week's episode. This one at least had some momentum going forward. It was basically, well, my elevator pitch was, with a little help from Din and Grogu, Bo-Katan learns that sometimes you can go home again, right? The whole point <laughs> was to try and get uh, Bo-Katan into the bigger picture of what's oh, happening again, on yeah, Mandalore. It was definitely screen side, screen time for Katie um for yeah, Sakov, yeah. Yeah, yeah I I love Katie Sakov. I yeah. I can't tell you how like I smile when I see her wearing that outfit. The fact that they cast her to do the voice all those years ago on Clone Wars oh, did was they? cool. Okay. Okay. He was the voice of Bo-Katan on Clone Wars cartoon. Oh, okay. yeah. And the fact that they used her voice then was cool. The fact that she is now also continuing to play it in live action makes my heart happy. I love her. I think she's a great performer. I think she's a lot of fun. And just seeing her reclined on the, the throne yeah. in her little yeah. castle and then seeing her like, you know, Bo-Katan was an awesome character in the cartoons and... I loved seeing her actually get into the action. So that's kind of what I felt like this week's episode was about, was reminding us that Bo-Katan is an important character and that Katie Sackhoff is a badass performer. And so I'm willing to, I'm willing to go, you know, the whole like, you know, Grogu has to escape and and it's cute. And I I get it. I get what they were going for. But really what this episode was for me was bring Bo-Katan closer to the Mandalorian storyline. And Bring her back to Mandalore, where obviously, if you're a fan of the Clone Wars cartoons and even to the Rebels cartoons, you know that there have been these successes and failures for her and her family over the years. And she mentions that in this episode. Mm -hmm. But to get to see her like in that scene where she's taking on the spider monster and she picks up the Darksaber and just goes to town. Oh, man, that was awesome. That was so awesome. That was my my people. What I understand, though, is why... Why did the the first of all the spider monster capturing like like laying on the sand and sort of capturing um, Jindaran? But why did they put? Why would a robot or droid put Jindaran on a spit? Well, because it looked like it was draining his spinal fluid. Oh, is that which, what it was doing? Oh, okay. I think that's what it was doing. I, I never got a clarity on that. I, I haven't, I've been trying to avoid, before we do our pods, I try not to sort of look too yeah. hard at yeah. what other people are speculating, but it mm. didn't look like it was draining his blood. It looked like it was draining his spinal fluid, and maybe that's what it needs for some of its whatever the heck, who knows, because it's a, a bioorganic creature, maybe it needs something oh, okay. like that. Right, okay. 
again, I think they leave that to your imagination just to be like, oh my God, he's tied up and he's getting something drained out of his body by this horrible thing. But maybe I should I liked, show it two o'clock in the morning. Okay. <laughs> I liked the the juxtaposition too of when the the cave people, which I think she calls Alamites, attack Din earlier on. He is trying to use the dark saber. He he loses his gun and he decides to use the dark saber and he still can't control it. When he goes to pick it up, it's heavy in his hands. He doesn't know how to wield it properly. Yeah, yeah. He's fighting true. it. And right. they mentioned that in the previous season that he is not used to it. Uh, I think it was in the Book of Boba Fett when he tries to use it. It's not really... It, but it's, it's her family's sword, right? It's her family's sword. Well, theoretically, she would have been... Well, I mean, the last one to, to legitimately have it was was Sabine Wren, right? And then she handed it to Bo. Bo took it, in that was in Rebels. And then at that point... Uh, theoretically, she was supposed to go on to leadership. We know that, that from watching this series that that didn't work out. So the idea is it's it's kind of like the the Elder Wand in Harry Potter, right? You have to defeat the person, or you have to yeah, you have to basically take it off somebody in combat. You don't, you right. can't just have it; you have to earn it. But what I'm wondering about this week is so Jin uh, Din Djarin uses it, and he gets defeated by the the bioorganic spider guy. Mm-hmm. Then. When she goes down to rescue him, she picks up the dark saber. That is, Bo-Katan picks up the dark saber and uses it to chop the the spider guy into little pieces. Right? Does that mean that it's hers now? Because that yeah, thing beat Din, keep it. Exactly. he beat that thing. Does that mean it's hers now? Because he takes it back at the episode and he sticks it behind his cape. Does yeah. that mean it's his? Or does that mean it's hers? Because clearly, she knows how to wield it. We saw her pick it up, and it, she's not fighting it. She's using it exactly like you'd use a, a laser katana. Mm-hmm. And that immediately percolated in my mind. Does that mean that he should be giving it back to her and saying, clearly this is yours? Again, I, I get your point that this wasn't like the most important episode like, we've gotten. Know, go take a bath. There's always a bigger fish, the whole big fish thing in the water. <laughs> and, you know. Well, there's a lot to that, though. So the... I guess the question that the big question I had was, is Bo going to be a leader or is Bo going to be a follower, right? Is she going to take what's happened here and is she going to then go back with Din and start following the ways of old Mandalore, like the Death Watch people, the the children of the Watch that he's affiliated with? Or is she going to go her on her own path and try and find a different way to to unite the Mandalorians? Well, she had that sort sort of kick-ass rebel thing going with the other two ladies that were she was traveling around with last time when they met luke skywalker at the end right yes well there was that one mission where din runs into them on the planet right and And they were pretty good and they're all flying around and yeah 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 but i think the bigger question is and i've seen this uh this one was unavoidable this week so at the end of the episode and again obviously this whole thing is spoilers i'm gonna say spoilers anyways but the end of the episode din she takes din down into the mines where he wanted to go he goes into the quote-unquote living waters so that he can be cleansed and then therefore he can get back in with the 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 children of the watch which is what he mm-hmm. wants right he steps into the water he steps off an edge and he plummets and she's like well i gotta go save this guy she goes down and she pulls him back up and on her way back up she encounters a myth encounters a mythosaur the mythosaur is that thing that has always been it's on the shoulder of boba fett's armor it's that insignia that giant monster it's the skull of a mythosaur and mm-hmm. 
from Clone Wars and Rebels and a little bit of the stuff we've heard from this series, we know that the the legends foretell that if a that that the return of the Mythosaur will signify a new golden era for Mandalore and the Mandalorians. So even somebody like Bo-Katan, who is very jaded when we first see her at this season where she's like, you know, I give up. This is stupid. I, I'm not going to try and do anything anymore. The fact that the fact that she sees this mythosaur in the flesh for herself. Right. Oh, I'm, I'm really curious to see what this means. So I, I think if all you take away from this episode is Bo-Katan is awesome. So is Katie Sackhoff. <laughs> and that mythosaur can really be a game changer for what happens to the Mandalorians this season. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay, cool. Uh, Easter egg, R5-D4, the original R5-D4, the still same r motivator. Hasn't got that motivator fixed yet. It's <laughs> still, uh, you know, not the most ideal of the R R2, R5 units, the uh, mm. astromech droids. Uh, <laughs> I like Pelly's line. I had that in my quotes. Don't be a coward. You're an astromech. Act like one. Yeah. Uh, you know, but again, fun that they actually, she actually calls it out. It is R5-D4, same one we saw from the original 1977 the same Star Wars movie. In the same area where the, the motivator blows up, yeah. That's right, that's right. Um, and the other quote that I really loved was when Bo-Katan is coming into the Civic Center area on Mandalore, and she's there with Grogu, and she looks down at the ruins of the city. And again, if you've watched uh any of the episodes of clone wars and you've seen this big beautiful sprawling metropolis to see it in these ruins and she says this was once my well, this was once a beautiful civilization my family ruled it all now it's a tomb mm-hmm. uh it's you can feel the the pathos that's that's she's she's feeling that and that's that was a good good delivery of that line too i thought yep cool so all things being equal i think there was some some good stuff in this one. It's still it's still slow burn. It's burning, but it's going forward. And I think that's kind of what you want. The Bad Batch. Star Wars. The, the Bad Batch. Star Wars. The Bad Batch. The Outpost. Season two, episode 12, The Outpost. Yeah. I like these episodes. So far, they've done, they've done, this is the third time in the season that they've done these sort of away from the gang, away from Clone Force 99, away from the Bad Batch, telling a story sort of off to the side. Mm -hmm. This one focuses in on Crosshair. So we had a previous episode that was Crosshair and Commander Cody, and that's the one where Cody in the end affects. And in this one, we come along. uh, So my elevator pitch was good soldiers follow orders until they're pushed too far. Yeah. And so we've seen through the first two seasons of this show and we're coming closer to the end of of this season we've seen that crosshair was the one who couldn't get over his his programming that he, yeah, he well, still my, was the... my my elevator pitch is crosshair is a slow learner yeah absolutely <laughs> bang on bang on uh you know the, the clone force had been saying all along like dude get with the program this is not what we signed up for and crosshair was like no good soldiers follow orders good soldiers followers we hear the clones say that over and over again good soldiers follow orders and no matter what happens to the clones the clone troopers within the empire now we're seeing them all being decommissioned and treated like well I, again my quote I think speaks to volumes about this. So the one quote was from Lieutenant Nolan, the the sort of prim jackass Lieutenant who's leading this mission. I don't like used equipment is what he says when he's talking about going on a mission with the clones that spoke volumes, well-written line that really kind of brought home that he didn't see them as, as equals. He didn't see them. He sees them as essentially about as valuable as a blaster or, you know, 
a droid, that they are just not real things and they're not reliable. And so no matter all, no matter how many times this comes up, Crosshair is like, no, good soldiers follow orders, good soldiers follow orders. Well, here he finally reaches his breaking point where he goes on this mission. He's treated like crap. Mm-hmm. He ends up one of the last two surviving clones on this mission. They go, they try and do what they're told, even though it's essentially a suicide mission. They get sent on. Go out into the frozen wastelands and track down these raiders who are invading us, just the two of you, and take them all out. And they do. And they yeah. go, and they're successful, and they do this. But unfortunately, it causes an avalanche that, in the end, basically kills this, this other last surviving clone. And Crosshair finally hits that broken point when he comes back, and he's like... We did this for essentially nothing. We were trying to rescue like pieces of armor for other troops. Like what's, what, what am I doing here? And, you know, again, Mayday, the, the, the troop that he goes on the line has the line, we're good soldiers. We followed orders. And for what? Yeah. And Crosshair takes that to heart and he ends up putting a hole through the commanding officer and good. But then he wakes up, you know, the next day and he's in the clone lab that we've seen in the past few episodes. Right. And so now the question becomes, well, what's going to happen with them there? But then we also have that sort of intersection where we sort of see Clone Force 99 and Crosshair's story starting to come together. Right. Yeah. And, you know, maybe this is the thing. So that was my big question was, is this the thing that finally gets Crosshair back to the Bad Batch? So what what do they do in that, in that uh, clone lab? Like what's... Well, it seems like it's that same same arc that we're seeing in Mandalorian, right? It seems mm-hmm. like the idea there is the Emperor wants a cloning project. Oh. They wanted to take, you know, all these things going together again. They want, in the Mandalorian, they want Grogu because they want his Mythichlorian count and they want a clone in the future for uh, the, 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 the last trilogy. They want to clone an emperor or a Snoke or all of the above. Right, yeah. And in this case, what they're doing is basically you know, the start of that whole storyline. Um, yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious to see if we finally do see the reconciliation because it has felt a little weird when when Echo left to go off with Rex after that little two-parter. The Bad Batch feels weird. Like, just there's just the three the three main members. There's, you know, there's Hunter and Wrecker and uh, and Tech and then, right. and then Omega. Omega, yeah. Omega. And so, yeah, it's just the four of them now. And it feels small it feels like because since echo's gone it feels like there's an attrition it feels like something's off and so it'll be interesting to see if they do bring crosshair back this season or if that's still exactly yeah yeah yeah, absolutely and he's a cool character he's he's really interesting and and Mm -hmm. the fact that he finally hit his breaking point this week i thought was really quite telling Cool. I like what they're able to ring out of this cartoon like it's not a lesser than just because it's a cartoon it's a damn good series Mm mm-hmm Definitely, it's very very similar to um, uh, Rebels and Clone Wars. In, in yeah, that sense good story. Yeah, there there are occasional throwaway episodes that are a little kiddish or cartoonish or or you know just a little less purposeful. But more often than not, these are good, well told, poignant, and well performed stories. And and yeah, if you're not watching them, you're missing out. Yeah, cool. Speaking of things you can't miss out on, are we talking about The Last of Us now? The Last of Us. Okay. So yeah, the Last of Us season one, episode eight. We are all that we are all. No, no. when we are in need. When we are in need. Oh yes, when we are in need. Yes, that's the that's the David pitch. So mm-hmm. my pitch on this this show is this is another boss level. Uh, where, <laughs> no, it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, no, I know. and uh, and it's uh, it culminates with 
uh, Ellie trying to get away from David yeah. in the restaurant that's burning down, and and uh, you know he's like, join me, join me, and together we'll rule the galaxy. Oh no, yeah, the, the <laughs> that's something uh, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you know, and she and you as her are trying because this is part. This is part of the story where you are playing as her, and you. Yeah. Uh, have to figure out how to take the, take him out with. I mean, I think she has a uh, a shiv, maybe, and that's about it. You know. Yeah. Oh, and and there's um there's um all tough cocktails around too, right? So mm. yeah, I th- if I'm not mistaken, I think there was I, yeah there might have been some infected in that restaurant too because she had to sort of deal with those as well. And but at the same mm. time, she can't get out because she has to get past him to get out. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, but- Joel's coming to rescue her as well, right? So. Yeah, and they captured it. I mean, this was a real spotlight episode for for the Ellie character. As you say, Joel's still laid up. He's recovering from the baseball bat wound. And she kind of decides, you know, I'm going to try and draw them away. I'm going to try and sort of, you know, at first first her instinct is protect him, feed him, keep him alive. And then that leads to this collision with this community. And it sort of goes off the rails from there. My elevator pitch was a a little darker than yours. It was... Murder, cannibalism, and child rape. Oh my! This was yeah. a dark episode. There was a lot of really grim stuff going on here. You know, they they murder the horse that they've been riding around on the last few episodes. Yeah. There's a whole cannibalism arc through this, and David clearly is going to try and rape Ellie at the end of this this episode, mm-hmm. who we've established as a 14 year old girl. Like this is some dark stuff. Right. Um, really, really great performances throughout. I thought the actor who played D- David was great. I thought that. Um, that uh, the actress they played Ellie was great. I thought there was just a lot to like about this episode, but it was, it went to some dark places and this is going to feed through my whole themes here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the pew, 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 you're right. That whole boss fight between Ellie and David while the building's burning and, you know, he's trying to sort of decide whether he wants to adopt her, rape her or kill her is really weird. Yeah, and he basically wants to make, make her one of his women kind of thing. I got that whole sort of, yeah. you know, cult leader. I thought when they were all sitting in the restaurant in the beginning, when he's doing his little talk to the group, I thought they were, he was going to bring out a tray of Kool-Aid and they were all going to like, you know. Oh, off, yeah. Off well, and, it, and honestly, if it hadn't culminated the way this episode did, it might have eventually, right? You know, yeah. we establish in this one that he's not above making some really dark choices for this group that he is suddenly sort of finds himself leader. And I thought this really worked as a companion to the episode from uh, two episodes ago mm-hmm. when they arrive in um, and they arrive in Tommy's hometown there. The da- and the dam, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all of a sudden there's this like idyllic community where they've got things figured out. They're working together. They they explain that they're going by the rule of law, and yeah. they're also communists, so they're working together and sharing everything. Well, mm-hmm. here we get the opposite side of that, which is it's the rule of God and the rule of one man. So it's an autocracy, and it's it's also uh, you know it's a theocracy because he's basically doing it under the auspice of being a worshiper of God. Although we find through this episode he's not right. Yeah. And then on top of that, you know, we see how far people go when they're the have-nots, right? So when we were in, you know, the town with Tommy and his family, we see that, you know, they've got food to share. They're able to sort of work together and do these things. Here, it's a long winter and it's gone bad. And what do you do when there's no game and all this stuff? Well, it turns out you turn to cannibalism. So, yeah. So this led into one of my big questions for this episode, which is, so... There's a scene where uh, they show up with a box full of meat and they basically throw it into the, with the tomato sauce and they, they're making, you know, tomato 
tomato stuff and he's like yeah more deer for you <laughs> yeah yeah we established yeah. that basically at the beginning of the episode this little girl and her and her mom are mourning because their dad slash husband have been killed and then we figure out through the course of this episode that's actually that's the person that that joel killed that stabbed him with the baseball bat in two episodes ago right that's okay, the person yeah. who did this right. and that that's why they're coming to kill joel and that's why they're mad at ellie the the rest of them other than than david want to kill them right i want to kill her so he says early in the episode, David, that is, says, uh, we'll bury your dad in the spring. The ground's too hard. Ground's we'll we'll bury him in the spring. But of course, we know that what's happening is, is they got his body back and they've been carving off pieces of it and eating it because they're starving to death. Yeah. So big question. How likely is it that that little girl and her mom are eating the dad and husband? Oh, 100%. 100%, right? 100%. Which is really gross. Like that, yeah. I mean, beyond cannibalism abstractly, that's specific cannibalism. Well, the, the that's like, boy, know. dad was good, you know? Yeah, the lieutenants know. I mean, like they're, they're yeah. you know, they're like, are we are we doing it the same way as before? And yeah, you know, kind of thing. There, There's an interesting thing. I want to talk about the game for a minute, too, because mm. I can't remember if it was this scene or this part of the game or whatever, but there's a point where you're playing as Joel and he's either he's drunk or he's been drugged. Or it may be that he's not quite recovered because your mm. your vision is blurred, mm. right? You're staggering around, you know, you're using the controller and yet, you know, the, the control is almost like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, when you're, when they say you, whether you're, when not drinking drive because you're impaired, you're literally impaired because yeah. of the character state in playing this game. And it doesn't matter what you do as a conscious person, you cannot control this guy effectively. And yeah. at the same time as he's going to the restaurant, he's taking out all the people on the way there. Mm. So you're being stealthy and you're doing it. And so, but it's a really effective part of the game where you're sort of, you're sort of, you're incapacitated and yet you still have to get to, because you don't know in the story as, as it's unfolding in the game that you're, not what's going to rescue Ellie. Ellie's going to rescue herself. Yeah, you do at yeah. the end of, when when in the restaurant when you know Joe kind of comes through the door and you know they they let's yeah. get on the horse and not that they have a horse but this <laughs> kid's gonna say get on my shoulder let's go. Mm. Yeah, it's funny, and that's the part of the episode that was a little far fetched. Is Joel is at the beginning of this episode is really suffering. He's in bad shape. Ellie goes hunting. She takes down this deer, elk, large you know, a cloven foot animal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, when it falls, that's when she runs into David and James, his assistant or lieutenant. Mm -hmm. And that is how they basically encounter one another. And she says, I'll make you a deal. I won't kill you. I'll give you half of this animal. If you get me medicine, I want medicine. Yeah. And they, of course, figure out, okay, well, this is clearly the two people who encountered the the other person and who killed them and they you know so it all goes from there and then she goes back and she starts you know she doesn't know how to administer yeah. uh you know medicine to him and she's jamming the needles right into his wound and he hasn't eaten he's just sort of drinking a little bit of snow water but having despite not having eaten for days been laid up having this serious injury he when he realizes there's somebody in the house has enough like wherewithal to like get up and then murder that person. So stab yeah. them, stabs that guy goes upstairs, takes out two more guys, tortures one of them mm -hmm. as lucid enough to do that, kills the other one and then goes and discovers the bodies and then goes into town to try and save her all while theoretically he was just, he's like, 
uh, he's dehydrated, feverish, yeah, exactly. feverish, all that yeah. stuff. As you yeah. say, the game it makes much more sense if he is kind of doing this. Here we don't really get that conveyed, and that part I think kind of a really good recovery. Yeah, yeah, it just felt like somebody had just given him a health pack from a video game. It felt a little video gamey, which I I didn't like as much. <laughs> Yeah. But because Bella Ramsey was killing it as Ellie in this episode, you kind of don't care. Mm-hmm. Like she was killing it. She was so good in this episode. Uh, so, you know, that kind of made up for a little bit of far-fetched Joel miraculously being able to he like, it's going to take the guy's kneecap off. Like, well, the dialogue um, with her in the cave uh, or in the cage, that's yeah. mo- most from of the game. Yeah. From the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you got yeah. part of the game yet or no? No, I, I haven't had a chance to play much the last couple of weeks. It's been a, a bit of a bad stretch for me as far as spare time, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm hoping over the next couple of weeks uh, I'll be able to get to it. I was I was really hoping to be able to get to the end of the game before the end of the show, but there's really no world in which that's going to happen. So. Right, yeah. We've only got one um, more episode left. One more, yeah. One more and we're done. Mm-hmm. Um, great quotes in this episode. Uh, you know, they chose to follow you. Is that some weird cult thing when Ellie's first talking with David? And she's right. It's a hundred percent a cult thing. And he pretty much confesses, like, I didn't believe in God before this all started. And now he basically has weaponized God against these people. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, that's pretty bang on. Uh, the part where Joel jams the, you know, jams the, the knife into the one guy's knee and basically says, you know, I'm going to put this knife in your mouth. You're going to point to the map. I'm going to, I'm going to ask your buddy the same thing. If you guys do things differently, I'm going to torture you even worse. And then he, he basically says to the first guy, you know, like, okay, I believe you. And he kills them both pretty cold bloodedly. That is some dark stuff too. Um, and it's funny because the line and the next one I had is is David talking to Ellie. He says, "You have a violent heart, and I should know. I've always had a violent heart, and it's not just her; it's her and Joel both. That's how right. you you realize they are to you know they are you know the same sides of the coin. They're not you know uh, they're not lone wolf and cub. They are wolves. Both of them. No, but are I think I think in in this pandemic society that these people are in is post-apocalyptic society, not pandemic. Um, you have to be like that. You, I mean, the, yeah. you and I are dead in that society. Like we're <laughs> speak for yourself. You know, we're dinner. <laughs> like you and I are getting served up on a platter. Like we, you know, like it's funny. Like Tammy, my friend, you know, who does the podcast, she always jokes about the mm. fact she's building a zombie army, and half of us, she keeps, she says, "Are you bait?" You know, we'll put you up front. <laughs> yes, I believe when I was on that podcast, she said I would be uh, toast pretty fast, which is unfortunate. She asked for what, what my skills could be, and I'm like, I could write your story. She's like, you go to the front of the line. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. You go get the water. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, and the line that uh, that Ellie has as well, which is straight lifted from the game, I'm told, is, uh, yeah. you know, tell them Ellie is the little girl who broke your effing finger, effing right? Finger, That's yeah. straight out of the game. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. And actually the part where, where Joel is questioning the two guys and, and he says, I want you to point to the same spot. That's that's also in the game, and and his solution to that situation is also in the game. I'd forgotten mm. it at the time I was watching it, but once once I realized, you know, when when the other guy says to him, "You don't have to do this. You don't have to." I knew what was coming because I haven't played the game. It is yeah. pretty. It's a pretty dark game. I mean, you know, it's funny. Yeah. Well, that's that's what kind of kept me away from playing it. I've had it for years. I, it came as a free yeah. download for me years ago, and I knew it was great. I played the Uncharted games. I spoken to the people at, at uh, Naughty Dog over the years when I used to yeah. cover gaming. I knew it was a great game. It's just I was a little leery about like I've played the Resident Evils. I played some dark games over the years. 
and I am not good with those games. They they stick with me. And you know what? The show's probably going to stick with me for a while, too. But it's great. It's really good. But it is interesting. Is, is Red Dead Redemption from Naughty Dog 2? No, that's Rockstar. Rockstar. But, but like, I'm, I'm actually surprised at, you know, the swearing and... Mm. Um, I mean, the, 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 the violence in the games, I mean, cause you know, I, I was thinking, I was talking about this at work the other day that, you know, you could, you can play the game for a couple of hours and then like, then you have to go out and be civil. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you've just spent, you just spent the, I mean, for, you know, I tend to, I tend to play these games sort of like, you know, as I would, and I'm a sort of nice guy and kind of stuff like that. And I end up dead all the time for that. Right. You know, but I mean, yeah. like, but when you get into the sort of. You can get away with stuff in the game, kind of thing, because you just go pay your bounty, and you're, and you know, it's like going to church and making confession, right? <laughs> All is forgiven, right? Yeah. Um, a little bit, a little bit of cash goes a long way in those kind of societies. But the, yep. you, it, it, I mean, it changes, it changes your psyche, like you know, in terms mm-hmm. of like, I'm sure, you know, I do see, I do see it potentially having a negative effect on people and how they would behave in proper society, right? Well, and that's, I think that people had a problem with those Grand Theft Auto style games, right? Where you have the choice to be a bad person. People are like, well, I was a bad person and then I was rewarded for it. Therefore, why wouldn't that apply in real life? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not sure that it's strictly true across the board, but it's certainly if you were somebody who was more easily influenced, it could influence you. I remember you specifically saying a number of years ago that uh, playing Gran Turismo affected the way you drove your car. It does. So... You know, but, not, but not, I mean, only because they teach you skills that you don't learn in driver's head, right? Yeah, yeah. Like about how how to take a corner and how to you know how to how to accelerate out of a corner and that kind of stuff. You don't. Well, now you know that. how to how to skin a deer and uh, ride a horse and well, customize really, a Colt pistol. Not really. not really. It's it's. I, I I do find that the horses are a bit like our dogs. Like they'll follow you anywhere and they'll do anything you say, but mm. unless you, unless you scare them and then they run away. Sorry, which one of our three dogs does that? Mine. <laughs> yeah, mine. not mine. They're not so good at the listening. Yeah, I'm working on well, it. I'm working on yeah. it. No, I know. That's what I mean. Like horses, horses don't listen too. But I mean, like, yeah. Mm. Like I found, like you know, if you're if you're coming up on a horse that belongs to an enemy, like the foolish thing to do is try and check the saddlebags because like, nine times out of ten, it's going to hit you. It's going to kick you, right? Mm. So what mm. I do is I just get on the horse and win it over, and like, and ride it around for like you know five minutes and brush it and give it an apple and it's yours, mm. right? That doesn't happen in real life. <laughs> yeah. uh, it would probably work on all three of our dogs, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You, you petted it and you give it an apple. It's probably yeah. yours. Feed it. Yeah, um, sure. Two more things for the Last of Us before we wrap up. So the other, the Easter egg that I had was that uh, James, the lieutenant, mm-hmm. was played by Troy Baker. Troy Baker was Joel, the motion capture act, capture actor and voice oh, really? of Joel oh. in the video games. Cool. All right. Cool. So there you go. I didn't know that. That that was just all over social media this week. So I, I saw that one pop up. The other one was a question. So the first question was, how likely is it that the, the girl and her mom are eating the dad? 100%. The other one was, so they're in this community. It didn't look like it was nighttime because when, when Ellie comes out of there and, and reunites with Joel, it's daytime. Yeah. This this mess hall, this this restaurant that they're in, where they all commune and eat, and seems to be where they gather. It's like the town square, town center. Yeah, the whole thing's going up in flames. It's a small town. Nobody comes. Didn't nobody. Notice. Nobody brings a bucket. Nobody of water. comes. Yeah. Nobody at all. Like 
Okay. Yeah. We'll leave that one out there, but that one just, that, that it's, that was my first immediate, like, wait a minute, that, that seems a little far fetched. Well, in, in again, the game, in the game at the same time as you're, as Ellie's having this battle with David, you're Joel and you're taking out all the, which would make more sense, but they don't cover that here in the show. So it, it is a bit of a leap of like, so the two of them just walk out into the town square and they're like, Hey, we're together. Let's get out of here. Nobody's around. Nobody at all. Like yeah, those, yeah. Those, those people did have guns. But in, but in the show, there's like five guys looking for yeah. Ali, right? In the game, yeah. there's 35 guys. Of course. Of course. You, know, you need the, cannon fodder in a good video game, right? Exactly. Yeah. You need to, you need to make it difficult. And, yeah, for sure. Any, uh, so you, you finished the game. Um, do you, do you feel like this is going to line up as far as ending with last of us part one game, yeah. as far as where they're, where they're at right now? Yeah. Do you think yeah. people are going to be happy, sad or no. otherwise? They're not going to like the ending. Yeah. That's I, I saw Bella Ramsey quoted this week and she said, people are going to be widely divided over the ending. Yeah. Cause the, 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 I mean, the game, the game sets up, I mean, it doesn't quite set up, uh, uh, last of us two, but it, it, in a sense it does. Right. Right. All right. No spoilers, but yeah, like I, I'm really curious to see how they how they land this first season mm -hmm. and how that correlates to the show. So we'll we'll talk about that obviously next week. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see if they can if they can conclude this first season. It's been hot. The show is hot. People are watching it. People are talking about it. I wonder if it's going to end in a place where people are going to be like talking about it until the next season, or if it's going to end in a place where people are like, "F that show. I don't want to watch it anymore." Well, it's kind of funny, like 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 the Uncharted game, the Uncharted series. We played four mm. versions of that game, like three or four mm -hmm. versions. There's like Uncharted three, and then there's the the, the mission with the, the two bad people, or the two ladies. Um, I think there's a four. There's, I think there's four plus that. Yeah. yeah. But the yeah. but the that one is like it. There's a treasure hunt at the beginning in the first mm. episode, and that's what the movie that you see is is that treasure hunt, and mm. then with a little less explanation but anyway and then yeah. the next game is the same characters but a new mission right yeah where yeah. maybe i should stop talking <laughs> i haven't played <laughs> no last of us two. spoilers I, I haven't played last of us two yet but yeah yeah so yeah i kind of i don't i don't know what like like you know when you have a second game it has to have there has to be a reason why you're yeah. going to go on this this star trek with these two characters right yes indeed yes indeed yeah. well we'll we'll check in next week we're uh, we're going to be to our last episode and i think uh, everyone's pretty excited to see how it goes and, and cool. hopefully it'd be nice to have the the two of them back together cuz last few episodes have been very on, on you know less less Joel centric obviously yeah yeah all right, uh, let's move on to our watch list. I got a couple mm -hmm. here. One, um, as I've told people before, and you know this yourself, as I'm a huge Terry Gilliam fan, and I love mm -hmm. it. I've seen, I think I've seen just about every one of his movies, except maybe one or two, but uh, like early, early ones. But this list, uh, this is like claims to be the nine best um, films by Terry Gilliam, of which mm -hmm. many people would know them. Um, and they kind of go in order. Uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is like the, in number nine position. Um, mm -hmm. I would actually change a couple of them around. In, in, in the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, which was a weird one because it's supposed to be about, it's supposed to star Heath Ledger, who died during mm -hmm. the making of it. So it goes on yeah. this really sort of twisty. They had other actors come in and play the same role. And that wasn't quite as effective. So I, I don't know if I would even, again, I don't know if I would, would watch this movie again. Um, and then uh, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote was the film that came out uh, two years ago. And it was pretty mm -hmm. good. It was yeah. interesting. It was interesting because it mixed. Have you seen it yet? 
Nope. Because it mixes, you know, the sort of like it's Don Quixote chasing the dragon. It mix mm-hmm. mixes the the mythical perception with the actual what's really happening perception. And it, and it's really well done that way. So uh, Adam Driver and um and uh um actor from Oh, it's Jonathan Price, isn't it? Jonathan Price, who's from my favorite movie, Brazil, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, Fisher King, which was a good one. That was another, that was Jeff Bridges and, and Robin Williams and the lady, I can't remember, I remember her name. Um, anyway, really, really good actress in that movie in the, as, yep. as a female. Twelve Monkeys, probably my favorite. One of my, if not, I mean, it's a pretty high movie. It's like one of my five-star movies, you know? Yeah. Um, the great performances by everybody in that one. Time Bandits, of course, that's like a that's like classic. You know, yeah, that that could almost be number one for me. Um, yep. Adventures of Baron Munchausen, I would move that down to fifth position instead of third. Yeah, because right? uh, and of course that you know you can watch a, a small child being tortured by the director in that one. Um, yeah, that one stings a little <laughs> bit because we as Canadians love Sarah Polly and poor little poor little Sarah hated that back, experience so much. We know so the much. backstory. Yeah, the backstory. Yeah, hated that experience so much. It's awfully hard to watch that now and and be objective. Yeah, and so they have Brazil number two uh, mm-hmm. in position number two, which is yeah, Brazil is a great movie. I've probably I got several copies of it. And I've seen it a thousand times. Mm-hmm. And Monty Python the Holy Grail, which technically was actually a co-directed Jones. Yeah, co-directed. It wasn't yeah. his his exclusive, and it was also written by the Monty Python gang, right? So yeah, so, so not strictly is, speaking, yeah. I feel like that was a bit of a cheat. Like yes, of course he was very very much a part of it, but it wasn't just him. Yeah, it's not his. It's not his specific movie, but yeah, but. But yeah, my, my my two favorites probably are um, Fisher King and Twelve Monkeys are are both really excellent movies. Yeah. They're probably his two most accessible movies. Yeah. yeah, the rest of them are a little out there. The other one that isn't on this list that I really I know not everybody loves it, but I like Zero Theorem. I thought Zero Theorem was oh, an that interesting was good. Movie. Yeah, no, you're right. I like that one too. I, I thought I, you I know would Christoph Waltz these movies for shot for that. Yeah, like I, I don't know that I put it in like you know the, the top five, but top ten for sure, for sure. Yeah, like yeah. you know, I like Time Bandits more. Uh, There's certainly other ones, but but I thought Zero Theorem was pretty tight. Really interesting yeah. look to it. Very much a Gilliam film. Uh, but again, I get it. Like he makes weird movies, and yeah. not they're not for everybody. They're just not. So. But yeah, I thought Carol, Fisher, Carol, Fisher King is such a great performance from from Robin Williams and and um yeah it's it's just it's such a good movie. So we have a we have a TIFF here, which is the Toronto International Film I don't know why it's festival. Film festival. Yeah, but it, yeah. but they have a TIFF lightbox here. Um Bell Lightbox is called. And and it's near it's where the TIFF headquarters is. But you know, I've seen mm-hmm. lots of lots of movies there. Um we got to see um Brazil on the large screen, um, mm. and we got to see uh, Time Bandits on the large screen. I don't, I've never nice. seen Time Bandits in the in the, the big, the big, you know, or Brazil, but it, both both movies are great to watch there as well. So I so I have seen all of these movies. No, I haven't seen Fisher King on Fisher King on the big screen, but I've seen all of these other movies on the big screen for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he makes again interesting films. Always interesting films. Very visually interesting. There's Zero Theorem is like. You could watch that movie 25 times and pick up different stuff. There's so much happening. Yeah, yeah. So my second pick is kind of around, um, there's that that service. That I, I'm going to mess up the name. It's Netflix, I think. Um, Netflix, you say? Netflix, yeah. Something, it's, it's like a DVD rental service. I'm kind of <laughs> bananas, whatever. But anyway, so a friend of mine was telling me about this this service that he uses called Flickstore.to. Or it's a bunch of different names, but Flickstore.to. It may or may not be legit. 
but it's it's hey. it's it, let's call it a streaming service out of Vietnam. Let's let's just say it that right. <laughs> I think the fact that T O R, as in the Tor browser, the Onion browser, is is kind of in the name. You know, you can you can pretty much go and watch just about any movie that you would want to stream on this service. I'm told I've hmm. not been able to get connected myself. But if you do pay for the service, like if you become a VIP member and pay fifteen dollars a month or whatever, you can watch just about anything you can watch on all of the other things. Maybe like you won't get hmm. Mandalorian today when it comes out. You'll get it tomorrow kind of thing. Hmm. Um so yeah, it's an interesting way to um, deal with the Lopez calculation. I think you know. That, that being said, I'm just looking at it uh, in, with the link that you provided here, yeah. and the new episode of The Mandalorian is available on this service. Oh, you're able so. to connect to it right away because when I looked on it on my phone the, earlier yesterday, it kind of said, you know, come back later when there's less people online. You know, so yeah, maybe I've got a, a good time uh, of night for it to be on or something. But yeah, yeah, I mean, there's there's content here from Amazon Prime. There's content from Disney. Plus, there's content from Netflix. There's content from uh, Comedy Central. This is—it's very much. <laughs> this is uh, HBO. This is pretty much a Pirates Wonderland, is what this is. Yeah, yeah. Arg. Use at your own discretion, kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Turn on, turn on the VPN for sure. Make sure the VPN is on. Yes. Yeah. Please do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and and I saw something earlier today. Somebody was talking about a hack on on the Netflix where you can't if you even if you don't if you don't want to pay for it. There's a way to on Linux. There's a way to uh, say that you're like uh, like do a backup of it, or and it'll actually end up mm. downloading the file to your your uh, Linux box, and then you can you can accidentally mm. watch it. <laughs> Oops. So there are ways around ways around these things. But yeah, the, interesting that this this uh, this service is available, and you can pay mm. for it and enjoy. it. So your mileage may vary. We don't, your mileage may vary. Not, we do not endorse not lawyers, this. <laughs> we're, not, you know, we're just we're just providing it as a service. You know, Good we are you. an information generation. Uh, exactly. We are just relaying that information to you. Exactly. All right. Uh, I have a couple of things for the watch list this week. Uh, the first one is one I, I mentioned last week that I would be watching History of the World Part 2. This is on Hulu in the United States. It's here on uh, Disney Plus through Star here in Canada. And it's an interesting format. They divided it up into half hour episodes as opposed to one long movie. Mm -hmm. It was airing uh, multiple days this week. So I think all in it's it's quite long. If you add it all in, I think it's four hours plus. So is uh, all of it out now or because I thought it, it was is. Like a weekly thing. Oh, OK, OK. No, they basically they were doing two episodes a day every day from Monday to Thursday this week. Okay. So there are eight episodes in all. You got two a night for four nights. Uh, interesting way to sort of roll that out probably an interesting ex experiment as far as like doing uh you know a mini series over the course of a few days as opposed to weeks it does probably fall into that netflix window of people won't be talking about this two weeks from now but as far as like an event and something you could follow for a few days in a row it's kind of fun uh i have watched more than half of it. I have not had time this week on top of the four things we just talked about and all the other mm -hmm. stuff. I haven't had time to watch all of it. But what I have watched made me laugh very, very hard. Uh, it's certainly not all-inclusive all family-friendly, but uh, definitely a mix of Mel Brooks humor, if you're a fan of the classic Mel Brooks humor. Uh, definitely a lot of uh, of other 
talented people working on it, uh, not the least of which is Nick Kroll. Nick Kroll's in a lot of it. Uh, clearly, it has his sense of humor. If you're a fan of Big Mouth or some of the things that he's worked on, you will definitely, or the Kroll show, you'll definitely pick up his sense of humor through this. Um, Ike Barinholtz is in a bunch of it. Wanda Sykes is in a bunch of it. And just guest stars galore, Jack Black, and, and you know... Uh, so many other great so how does it compare to the, to the part one movie like is it is it it's it's pretty similar in that there is both these little sort of shorter two three minute vignettes and then there's sort of a arc of certain things that sort of carry through like running the whole thing kind of things or, or... well no more like running like recurring uh themes and characters right so they spend okay. more time in this show on the Russian Revolution, uh, because obviously there's a lot of Jewish people involved in the Russian Revolution, is also there's a lot of rich storytelling content content in there. So they've been focused on that. So that has woven through multiple episodes. There's a whole woven storyline about uh, the U.S. Civil War that's woven through all the episodes. But then there's also like two and three minute just bits and gags and stuff like that that are you know hilariously funny but are just like a throwaway you know three minute skit something that's smaller and that's very much tone wise and sort of construction wise very similar to mm-hmm. the original 1981 movie uh yeah i think it's a good time so far i'm enjoying it i haven't obviously gotten to the end of it but if you're a fan of that sense of humor it's definitely going to make you happy mel does an introduction at the beginning and then he introduces each of the segments and stuff like that so it does have mel brooks fingerprints on it even though obviously he's a man of uh quite advanced years he's in his mid-90s now mm-hmm. but uh yeah it's fun to see and they did actually carry forward uh the skits that they teased at the end of history of the world part one if you're familiar with the movie at the very end he says coming soon history of the world part two and he says we'll have these bits and one of them is Hitler on ice. They do a Hitler on ice bit. One of them is Jews in space. They do a Jews in space bit. So, you know, it's definitely uh, both an interesting little bit of nostalgia and also just a bunch of really funny people doing, doing funny stuff and just being goofy. So, yeah, if you're into that, highly recommend. Well, if you've never if you've never sort of gone into the Mel, Mel Brooks can, or catalog, I mean, he used to do these things with Carl Reiner where he was like the world's oldest man. Yes, and he was yes. like he was like a caveman in in the early days and talking about you know <laughs> yeah. how he you know invented ten thousand year old man yeah thousand yeah. year old man yeah and then he did uh, yeah so and then he was like going up into space and all kinds of stuff and that to me when when history of the world part one came out it's very much in that same sort of sentiment those sort of run yeah. long story gags right sort of thing right oh it's just it's some of it is clearly like stream of consciousness craziness I mean yeah. you know the the original movie has you know not only does it have Mel Brooks as the lead but it's got his Caesar, it's got like all these incredible like yeah. 1950s, 40s, 50s, 60s comedians and stuff in it. It's it's just it's so and it's just so stupid at times. At one point, uh, when they're doing a bit set in ancient Rome, uh, this guy walks by and he's he's supposed to be Oedipus. And of course, if you know anything about psychology, the whole story of Oedipus yeah. with you know uh, wanting um, to yeah. Yeah. have sex with his mother and kill his father. At yeah. one point, he walks by and Gregory Hines is one of the main characters in that. And he walks by and he goes, "Hey, mother effer," which is just the funniest throwaway line. But yeah. every time I've seen that movie twenty times, every time I see it, I laugh out loud. That line and the delivery of just seeing Oedipus and calling him an, a mother effer just kills me every time <laughs> just kills me right yeah so uh yeah again if that's your cup of tea if that's your sense of humor enjoy yeah cool 
the other thing that I thought we could recap just briefly for our uh, for our watch list, you and I went and saw Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania last mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the latest MCU movie. Obviously, it's got sort of mixed reviews. People are saying, well, it's, you know, a much ado about nothing doesn't really kind of advance the MCU plot overall. I thought it was fine. I thought it was enjoyable. Yeah, it was a good, good couple hours. Movie, yeah. It, yeah, it was not... I would say in the in the top tier of the Marvel movies, it's it's certainly not Civil War or uh, Winter Soldier or you know Endgame. It's not going to you know be the first thing you pick out of the catalog. But if you're looking for just two hours of you know completely oddball uh, sort of you know science fiction, yeah, it it's fine. It's fine. Paul Rudd's likable. Michelle Pfeiffer's great. Uh, and also still incredibly beautiful. Uh, I, th- I think it, it's perfectly fine. I get people's complaints that it's not really substantial. Like there's not a lot that comes out of it. The only thing you really get out of it is that Jonathan Majors as Kang is great. Mm-hmm. He is the, probably the strongest part of the whole thing. And if he's going to be the linchpin that they build this whole, whole next stage of the Marvel Cinematic Universe around, I think that's fine. I think he's got chops. I think he's a really good performer. I think he's got charisma. Mm-hmm. And I think in a way he's more effective than the Thanos character just because he's a real person. You see his face, he emotes, he's much more uh he's just much more able to do things in a way that the CGI of Thanos wasn't. So I, I kind of like that and a sort lot. Of has that, he sort of has a menacing-y, like, you know, saccharine kind of, like sometimes he's he just seems like a normal guy, but you but you really know that you find out quickly that there there is an undercurrent. And I think mm-hmm. he, he kind of, like you and I walked out of it thinking, you know, um, a bit of a spoiler, I guess, that, that there are other incarnations of him. Is yeah. he really the bad one, right? Uh, well, or he, that's or is he it, really right? the worst one, right? So, and what? Yeah, and I, the same way we got that out of the Loki series, right? Because we saw an iteration of him in that one, and yeah. now we're seeing a different version. And we know we know there's more and more and more of of him yeah, throughout time, yeah, right? Him, him, them, yeah. And, and the other thing too is like I was explaining to Carol, and, and I, I had it sort of to me it was like Doctor Seuss with ants. Like it was, yeah. The thing about it is, I think I think that may be why if it's unapproachable by the masses. It's probably because there's a lot of weird stuff in it. It's like, weird. You know, it's weird. Yeah. It's undoubtedly weird. Yeah, it's got some some sort of twisty, you know, hallucinogenic kind of characters <laughs> that are like just, you know. Hey, that's what we should have brought instead of popcorn. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of hallucinogenics would have made that sing. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, but yeah, it, it it is very trippy, and there and there's some interesting characters, and and it's funny in a lot of different ways too. Like yeah, the, the drink the goo, drink the goo. Drink if the only goo, we could yeah. all drink the goo, right? <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, yeah, so the, I, I mean, and I did like the, I did like the the sort of Michael Douglas um, arc in it in terms of sol- solving the problem, right? That was, mm-hmm. I mean, that made a lot of sense, you know. And then this, and then with the sort of um, the replic the 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 Ant Man solution when the Ant Man sort of uses uses the same sort of uh, idea as ants do to kind of climb up that you know unreachable yep. thing right that was kind of very similar to what actual ants would do in the wild right so yep cool the only other thing I wanted to add and I'll I'll put it into our notes afterwards they did drop the trailer this week for the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie oh, called yes, Mutant right. Mayhem mm-hmm. uh, 
I really like the look of that. It looks very much like the the style that we saw for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It's got that sort of slightly stop motion, but but digitally animated kind of feel to it. It's got texture. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting cast. Seth Rogen is is sort of the the brains behind it. Uh, I I haven't watched a Turtles movie since the original Turtles movies, but I got to admit when I saw this, I was like, yeah, I totally watched that. I would totally like, watch not that. a bunch of guys in rubber suits kind of thing. No, it's a cartoon. Um, oh, okay. That the original was the ones in rubber suits. I actually enjoyed the uh, the first one. Uh, I don't think I ever saw the third one, but um, I would definitely watch this one. This this looked really good. I think this is this is a a nice way to take it. I didn't really like the weird, slightly more menacing versions in the rubber suits they did maybe mm-hmm. four or five years ago. That really was not something that I was interested in, but this looks good. Oh, they mean they re- they went back and redid the, the rubber suit guys. Oh, okay. They did, but they made them like, you know, 18 feet Badass. tall and yeah. like, you know, swole. It's like, eh, no, I'm okay. Okay. Cool. But but yeah, no, it's good. I, I would uh, I will th- I'll throw the trailer into our show notes if you haven't seen it yet, uh, fans out there. Please have a look. It's good. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So, Jonathan, people will get in touch with you. Where would they find you? Well, since we're on YouTube, I'll start there. If you're on YouTube, you can find me at uh, youtube.com slash at JPK. That's where my channel is. Or you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. Yes. What about Jaime? What if you want to find Jaime? Well, I think he's dev. He's somewhere in Japan, right? He's now. in Japan, Yokohama. He's buying tires for his car in Yokohama. That's yeah, that's he had to. That's what you know, doing. it's cheaper if you go over there and you get them and you bring them well, back. Yeah, you can, you can make sure you get the right kind of rubber as opposed to the Absolutely, stuff you just yeah. get at the stores. Yeah, so that's you, I mean, if yeah. you're going to get tires, go to Yokohama and get them directly there. <laughs> But if you want to ask him questions about being in Yokohama, oh, you could you could probably ask him by looking up for um, for Dev with the hair on Twitter at Dev and with the hair on Twitter. Not on not on Mastodon. Strangely enough, he's waiting. He's waiting to see. He's he's playing a wait and see game with Mastodon. Hmm. Um, that's what he tells me anyway. Um, my name is Dimitra T I M M I T R in the Twitcher machine. Don't forget to oh, so buttons over here. Like and subscribe. Um, and uh, here on YouTube, obviously, if you're seeing me here, that's I'm right here. This is me. Um, and uh, yeah, also on Mastodon, same same handle on Mastodon. I try to have the same handle everywhere. Just Feel free to join us on our Slack channel. We are always happy channel, to see you yeah, there. Too. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta. There's a, there's a form on the More Than Just Code website uh, that you gotta click on, and uh, yeah, and I'll, I will we'll check it because I occasionally get spam. But yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah, we had lots of fun. Oh. oh, speaking of which, we were, we were supposed to talk about. Um, so yeah, there was, there was one of our fans from the show, uh, David was. Yeah, I was gonna say David. I don't know why I didn't say that earlier. David Price was saying that he's bothered about the, the Bad Batch where they mm. mentioned. Um, uh, Crosshair's name is CT yep. and then four digits or five digits, yep. right? Well, yep. that's only enough for 10,000 clones if you go by that logic, right? So unless they change the CT part. Well, right. CT's clone trooper, right? Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Yep. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, do they recycle the numbers when they die? I don't know. I don't know what the, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe they just, they just stamp them on them. And that's another thing too, is, I, is in um, First Contact, you actually hear Picard uses the same password he used in a couple of episodes ago. So Jaime's right. He's, he's been guilty of using the same password for like 20 years. So that, you know, Picard, Tanga, Alpha, whatever it was, right? So a fact check for yeah. next week. <laughs> <laughs> we do it to ourselves. Anyway, yeah. See you then. See you in the future. Take it away, Mike. Mike's going to talk now. You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. 
If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.